It is the 200 level episode 346. Mike Carpenter in the basement for the official 200 level 2023 Illinois football season preview extravaganza. That last word actually is not in the title, but you usually get things like that with these season previews, which you are all well familiar with, and you're probably waiting for the uh, material to come from Illini Inquirer, Orange and Blue News, Illini guys, whatever you guys get your media from, Robert Rosenthal with Illini Board. This week is going to be flush with Illini football material, and there will be more juice behind it. And I keep seeing that word, that term juice behind it more excitement behind it than there has been in 15 years. And first off, thank you for choosing the 200 level to be part of this rotation because there are many Illini media outlets, as you know. And if you're like me, you're kind of circling through as many as you can because you want to immerse yourself in this before we get to Saturday night. I'm kind of that crazy fan that in the last couple of days on my runs, I've, I've actually ran by Lot 31 and tried to figure out what spot is going to be perfect for Saturday. That's the kind of fan I am. That's the kind of excitement that builds. And the interesting thing about that is my wife and I have been together dating and then getting married. We've been together now since 2016. And she often comes to the tailgates, but it wasn't until last year that she saw, whoa, this is how he gets when Illinois football is good. She saw me completely slap-happy, joyful throughout the month of October, and completely miserable for a weekend or two in November. And she, she saw that roller coaster, right? But then even after all this and the bowl game that we went to and the fun that was kind of tempered by a loss against Mississippi State, we are now finally in game week. And all I can talk about is Saturday what time I'm going to get to the lots, how I'm going to set up the tents, what's on the menu, who's coming. What time should my dad and I go into the stadium? Maybe a little bit earlier than we did last year. Maybe I should go to the Alani Walk and see the team come in. What time should I get down there for it? I'm the kind of person that likes to plan for things, right? So even if it's a Dave Matthews band tailgate, it's planning everything out. And that way, when the actual tailgate happens, I can sit back, relax, and just enjoy the rest of the day. So I'm in that mode now. It's hard for me to focus on anything other than week one, Toledo, primetime kickoff at Memorial Stadium in front of what should be a pretty good crowd. We're looking at 47, maybe 48,000 people. And for a home opener against a MAC team for this Illinois program that, yeah, last year was good, but people could be a little bit more leery. And I think people, against their institutional knowledge of Illini football, they're actually saying, no, 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 no. This season is not going to be like past disappointments. I'm on board. 10,000 new season tickets is one indicator of that. But we could also look at the sort of intangible buzz that's building. And I think part of the reason I'm heartened by what I've heard and seen and felt from Illini fans, through casual conversation, through the media I've consumed, I think the expectations are reasonable. I don't think anyone is going overboard. And I also feel really good about the fact that I don't need this team to make a Big Ten title game. I love it. I don't need them, though, to reach some sort of crazy mountaintop to have a really fun fall. We're still at that point now in year three of the Bielema era where I just care about building a sustained, successful program. And all that really requires in year three is seven or eight wins. So this week, there will be two podcasts. 
there's going to be this one, which thank you for those that are tuning in on a Monday evening. And we'll light up the chat thread in a bit because I have some questions I want to hear from you about. And then Friday, for those that are in Champaign-Urbana, me and Isaac Ambrose are going to be at Poor Brothers Craft Tap Room in downtown Champaign from 6 to 7. We're doing a live podcast. If you cannot make it, it will be on YouTube, so you can tune in there as well. Excited to do something in front of a live crowd again, which I've not done since 93.5. So Isaac and I will fire up the podcast and have some fun with it the day before the game. I mean, that's, that's the thing. If you're like me, you're going to go to sleep Friday or attempt to, and then you're going to wake up at like, God knows, I don't know, 4.35 a.m. on Saturday, like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's the day. And you know you're going to be kind of slap happy and tired on Sunday. That's a given. But it's just the excitement of waking up early. It's when I kind of amble out to the car at 6.45 and I can feel that cool fall air. And even though it will be warm on Saturday, the humidity is low and it's going to be nice low 60s in the morning. And I get into lot 31 and the dew-covered grass and you can just kind of smell the generators that are getting fired up. And, oh, God, it's... uh, These are the sensory things that bring back a lot of good memories. And that's with a program that has not been successful. I can only imagine, if you find me five years from now, and Brett Bielema has built this thing into a consistent winner. I mean, you think I'm excited now. Imagine if it's 2028 and we're a year removed from a Big Ten championship, and I know you might say that's crazy with an 18-team league, but who the hell knows? We don't know how this is all going to shake out. And we're winning seven, eight games a year, and it just becomes an institution. And and the thing that I've longed for more than championships or banners with football, because it is so experiential and because it is such a shared experience, I've just hoped for the Iowa kind of template. Having been to Iowa City a couple times for tailgates, there is a different feeling up there because they have an expectation that they are at least going to be good. Occasionally great. Sometimes they get frustrated with Kirk Ferentz. That's fine. I'm sure that I will get frustrated if Brett Bielma is here long enough. I'll get frustrated with him too. And that's okay. That's part of being a fan of a program. But wouldn't it be nice to go through an extended run here where every Saturday that you wake up and every Saturday you go to the tailgate lots that you feel as if, oh boy, I can't wait for the game. And for much of my life, the game has unfortunately been an afterthought. And we've made the best of what's around, to borrow a Dave Matthews lyric. We've made the best of what's around with not much. So it is so exciting to see people get on board, justifiably so, and get on this train while it's moving. And, and not... That coupled with the fact that I don't feel this fan pressure that I often talk about. Fan pressure, usually I reserve that for basketball because we've come so close. And yet, ah, you know, that elusive national title. So there's this weird thing on our backs as Illini basketball fans. With Illini football, I think we're kind of unencumbered by expectations. And this is this is good, right? This is something that we haven't felt going into a season in 15 years. And as I've said many times before, on these podcasts throughout the month of August. I think the difference between 2008 and 2023 or 2002 and 2023 and why I'm not as concerned about the bottom falling out and and missing a bowl game and thinking, oh God, what the hell now, is the coaching staff coupled with a returning roster of a lot of good veteran players. Now, I'm going to say my official game prediction for Friday. Isaac and I are going to do one last sweep through the schedule. We're going to predict the Big Ten West. We got the schedules, and we're looking at them closely and trying to see, okay, 
Who's got the inside track here in this wide-open division? We're, we're going to look at the other games week one. We'll have one that we can talk about Thursday night. It's Nebraska and Minnesota, which should be fun. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is it. So, before I get too far into it, you can probably tell my excitement is at a peak level. Got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Maybe you can get, you know what I'm about to say, a celebratory calzone after Illinois beats Toledo on Saturday. A late-night calzone. Nothing's better after an Illini victory than a fresh calzone, piping hot, served either to your doorstep or maybe Lot 31. I bet they could deliver it there. They'd find a way. That's dpdoe.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hanson online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. We'll get him on for some podcasts later this year, and I'm sure I'll see him in the tailgate lot as well. So brianismyguy.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Had a hot stretch last week. Our air conditioner was just, it saved our butts. Our house was perfectly comfortable in a week that I know a lot of people weren't. And I really got to thank Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing for that because when they came out to check our AC, they made sure that everything was running tip-top before they left. Really trust them with their service. And they're just really good dudes, guys and gals up there that, that run a really awesome business. So for HVAC, you want to trust them. You can with Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. Luke Owen, big Alani fan. Him and his staff, expert craftsmen, great customer service. They get the job done quickly. They'll get you a free quote. You can go to owenbuildersllc.com. Check out their gallery of stuff they've already worked on. Pretty impressive. These are home additions, decks, patios, some interior stuff like bathrooms and kitchens. That's owenbuildersllc.com. Finally, we have the Champagne Center Partnership joining us this month. They have a Campus Town Street Fest on Saturday, September 9th. So that's coming up. There's going to be live music, dancing, street vendors, a really cool experience if you're looking to get back to Campus Town. So, of course, there'll be students there, but this is from 1 to 7 on Saturday, September 9th. So it's good for the whole family, too. So if you're an alum that hasn't been back in a while, why not? There's no alumni football game that day. Hopefully, you'll be celebrating the victory against Kansas the day before. So that is ChampagneCenter.com for more information. Campus Town Street Fest. Oh, least I forget, the Chow Down in Campus Town. What a name. Great food is going to be all over this place. So that is the Campus Town Street Fest on Saturday, September 9th. All right, uh, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Real quick, if you are an Apple Podcast user, and by our metrics, about 60% of you are, and you've not given us a rating or review, takes you a second. Five stars is great. One star, if you, if you hate me, that's fine. But ratings are great, and that helps us move up anytime someone searches Illini. And if you are feeling inclined to write a review, that's great too. But no, I'm not here to do all these. Uh, and listen, the sponsors, you want to support the podcast, support the sponsors. I'm not here to ask you repeatedly to rate or review the podcast. I'm here to talk about Illini football 2023. But before I do that, when I do these solo pods, occasionally I need to wet my whistle a little bit. And there we go. I know that's compelling podcasting. Okay. What I did over the weekend, so this is on Saturday morning, I set up a poll on Twitter or X, whatever, 
And it is a four-question poll to kind of gauge where Illini fans are at with the season. Now, I know we got some people watching in the YouTube feed, so if there's anything that we're commenting on and you got something you want to add, go right ahead, and I will get right to it. But I wanted to share these results because the response was uh, pretty awesome. So in total, there were more than 1,000 votes, about 1,000 votes that were cast over this four-question poll. And the first question is quite simple. How many regular season wins will Illinois have this year? Now, here are the options I gave people. Five or less, six, seven, eight or more. The key caveat here being regular season. I left the bowl game out of it. Not that it's a complete afterthought. I don't think it necessarily is. But after having experienced ReliaQuest last year, you're going to have holdouts. If you make a bowl this year, Johnny Newton should not play. (laughs) I mean... First-round pick, he should not be playing in that bowl game, and he would not be the only one, perhaps. So regular season wins, here were the results. 3% of Illini fans that responded said five or less. Okay, we would all agree. Five losses would be a disappointment. Six was the next option. 12.5% said six wins, six and six. If I'm being honest here, Six and six to me is a mild disappointment. You do make a bowl game, and that's, I know, the goal. But it would feel a bit like treading water and not like a truly successful year. That leads to the next option, seven. 38.5% said Illinois will win seven regular season games. 46% said eight or more. Almost half. Now, if you've listened to the podcast this month, you know I'm kind of trending that direction. I'm finalizing my predictions. I've been thinking out loud over the last five or six podcasts what my prediction will be. But I get the feeling I will be in that camp of about 46% of you saying that Illinois will win eight or more games. Now, I put or more, and that's a wide range. You could say 10, and I'd be interested to see how many of those thought 10 or thought nine. But I would venture that the majority of that 46% that said eight think it will be eight. I think. I don't think that Illini fans' expectations are crazy this year. Here's some follow-up questions. What is the most likely marquee win of the season? Here are the options I gave. You have Penn State, of course, the best Big Ten East team that you're going to play. Wisconsin at home, at Minnesota, at Iowa. Now, I did not include at Maryland. Just there's not much of a relationship between those two schools, not much of a rivalry. We'd feel great if that was a win, but no matter what happens in that game in College Park, it's not one that we are necessarily super pumped about. And you already kind of know my feelings on what's going to happen out there. So those are the four options for this. And fourth out of four, way at the bottom is Minnesota. At Minnesota, 10% of people think that's the most likely marquee win in the season. Now, the way this question was worded with marquee in quotation marks, you might think that we're going to beat Minnesota. But you might think that we're going to have a better win than that, which leads to the second most uh, selections were at Iowa. And I think here's the difference. I think most people that responded to Iowa, well, let me rephrase. I think most people who did not select the game at Iowa to be a marquee win think, yeah, we're probably going to lose. Because here's the deal. If you win at Iowa, the only game that could supersede that in terms of marquee win considering it's late in the year and you would probably be in contention for the Big Ten West, would be the Penn State game, right? That would be the only possibility of a bigger marquee win. So 14.8%, let's call it 15 even, 
said that at Iowa will be the marquee win for the Illini this year. 27% almost said Penn State at home. So about a quarter of you thought that that game, game three, will be the marquee win. And that would be one hell of a marquee win. This is a team that will be competing for the Big Ten East. Though I just saw today, Michigan's schedule is a joke. I, I they, they should go undefeated. And they get Ohio State at home. They should go undefeated. But Penn State, hey, technically until the games are played, they are going to be a contender for the Big Ten East. That would be a marquee win. But 49.2%, so almost half of people thought Wisconsin. Now, we don't know how good Wisconsin is going to be this year. I don't think they're going to be as good as some prognostications. Year one for Luke Fickle, I could see them going seven or eight wins without laboring too much because the schedule is fairly easy. But does that mean they're going to be great? Not necessarily. I think you match up well against them. I think that the trenches, you're equal with them and with that extra experience for a lot of your skill players and things like that. I just feel like the home game and Bielema's history with Wisconsin. I would agree with people here that Wisconsin is the most likely marquee one of the year. 50% of you. So here's what we got so far. 46% of Illini fans think eight or more wins. 50% of Illini fans think that Wisconsin will be the marquee one of the year. Here is a question that got a, a couple of responses as well. What toss-up game, in quotations, toss-up, concerns you the most? Toledo at Kansas at Purdue, Nebraska. Let me explain the Toledo thing. I wasn't going to put at Maryland, which you could consider a toss-up, understandably. I think most people assume that we're going to lose at Maryland. Maybe not most, but enough where I didn't think that was worth putting in this question. They are the toughest, uh, let's say, they're the toughest road game that wouldn't necessarily feel like a marquee win, just because it's Maryland and not one of your Big Ten West rivals. Mm -hmm. I included Toledo just because of the unknowns going into game one. Maybe that was foolish of me. I, I don't know. But I, I just felt like there are there might be enough Illini fans out there that are more than just surface level nervous about this game. So I included it. Now, Nebraska was the other one here. And I would admit, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to win that. But who knows? I mean, it's not like Nebraska is completely absent of talent. And Matt Rule is a good coach. But anywho, the responses were this. 2.3% of you thought that the Nebraska game is the toss-up game that concerns you the most. I kind of figured it'd go that direction. Toledo, 12% of you said that was the toss-up game that concerns you the most. Okay? At Kansas, oh, let me go to at Purdue, 24% of you, so you do not agree with Harry Black and Trevor Valise, 24% of respondents thought that that is the toss-up game that concerns them the most. Now, Trevor and Harry that were on the podcast last week, each of them thought we're going to smoke Purdue. I get their reasoning. It makes sense to me. And then at Kansas is the clear winner. And that's why this opening three-game stretch has people a little bit nervous because Toledo is not the most gimme of gimmies by any stretch. That's a solid team. And we'll talk on Friday predictions and things for that game. But the spread still sets under 10 points. So toss-up, maybe not quite, but not a gimme. And I don't think that the guys at the Smith Performance Center are taking it as a gimme either. But Kansas certainly on the road, second game of the year, Friday night. We got shades of the Indiana game last year. Worries that there'll be just enough mistakes to keep you from winning that game. That sits at 61.6%. Now, last question. Who will win the Big Ten West? Isaac and I will talk in detail about this on Friday at Poor Brothers. 
The options I gave were Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I think we would assume, rightly so, or justifiably so, that Nebraska, Northwest, certainly not Northwestern, and Purdue are not Big Ten West contenders this year, right? Maybe Matt Rule will get that going. We'll see about Ryan Walters, but uh, I don't know. I, I do feel like as good as he may end up being, we shouldn't underrate how good Jeff Brom was too. Here were the responses. 2.4% thought Minnesota. And on Friday, we'll get into the schedule, the schedules in the Big Ten West, and why I would agree with people. Not only does Minnesota, to me, just scream 7-5, and five, solid, you know, but they have some really tough games on their schedule. And I'll give you the short version of it. They play Michigan and Ohio State. That's a bad break for them if they want to win the Big Ten West this year. Wisconsin, 3.8% of you think that they are going to win the Big Ten West. I know they're a media darling, Luke Fickle, Rightly so is a very well-respected coach. Year one, completely changing the system. I forget what article I read, but there was an anonymous Big Ten defensive coordinator, past or present, not sure, who said, I've never seen this work out all that well. This being changing an offensive system that's been in place for 30 years to a pass-happy offense overnight and thinking that it's going to be that effective. And you could draw comparisons to Rich Rod at Michigan. Keep in mind, Rich Rod, I think, won eight games his first year, and then he struggled after that. I don't think Wisconsin's going to be bad. I think they're going to be good, because they just are until proven otherwise. Last year, they were bad by their standards, and I think they still went 6-6 six and six or 7-6. and six. But you get them at home. Um, there's a couple other games on that schedule we'll go over Friday that I think will be tough for them, but it is a favorable schedule. So if you want to make that argument that they win it by default or just because they got a lighter load. Okay, maybe, but I agree with the fans that Minnesota and Wisconsin are not really the biggest threats to win the Big Ten West, which leaves two, Illinois and our friends from Iowa. 31.6% of respondents thought that Iowa will win the Big Ten West. Illinois got 62.3% of the vote. You guys are high on this Illinois team. I am too, but good Lord. Um, (laughs) If you told me right now there is a greater than 60% chance this team wins the Big Ten West, I I wouldn't know what to do with that information. I kind of would not want that information because then all of a sudden how I'm sitting here and talking and I think honestly that I don't feel this pressure as a fan. You tell me those are the odds and then I feel the pressure. I also think part of it is I'm, I'm protecting myself after last year. I, I mean, I, I booked a room in Indy after we beat Minnesota. And people could have argued that that was premature to do that because there was a, a whole month left to play. But I was just looking at the other schedules and seeing, yeah, it looks like this is our path. We're going to do this. We got through the gauntlet of the Big Ten West. We're going to do this. Well, we don't need to rehash how November went, but... 62.3%. If those are our odds to make big, t- like if that's what the actual odds were, I'd be kind of freaking out right now. Now, of course, those are not. I think the odds are somewhere around 20% in Vegas. And I get it. Listen, as high as I am on this Illinois team, it is the unknowns. Now, we could watch this team the first couple games of the year against Toledo and Kansas and their well oiled machine. And then all of a sudden, we kind of recalibrate our expectations. And God forbid they go 3-0, and because then we're all drinking the Kool-Aid. But 
at the moment, just because we haven't seen some very key elements for a team to have success, it's kind of hard for me to not go default. And I know that's boring to say, I think Iowa's going to win the Big Ten West. I'm going to think about it all week. I am. It doesn't help that you have to go there late in the year. I really wish you could knock that game out earlier. But a cold November day up in Iowa City, that just that, that, that never really works out great, does it? I mean, first team to 10 wins. And it's not like I even think Cade McNamara is that great. I, I don't, but he's better than, what was it, Petrus? Whatever the hell that was. And then Padilla and ugh. Now, it's not like Brian Ferentz woke up and all of a sudden became a good offensive coordinator. But they don't really need that. They just need a serviceable offense. And then they're going to find their way to eight or nine wins with their schedule. And that's just kind of how it is. Now, I think Illinois can get to that level consistently where it's kind of a ho-hum. I guess we're Big Ten West favorites, even though sadly, or depending on your perspective, maybe not sadly, that's not how this setup's going to be. What makes this question a little bit more, I don't know, uh, not pressure-filled, but a little more timely, I guess, a little more uh, anxiety-inducing, is that this is, this is an opportunity and really the last opportunity if we're being realistic. Depending on how the Big Ten shakes out with 18 teams, and do they do two divisions? Do they do four? I, I don't know how that's all going to look, but this is as clear a path as you're going to get to Indy for a Big Ten title game as you will ever have. They know that over there. I mean, of course they do. It's at the Performance Center on campus, those guys all know it, and they're talking about it. And I don't know if there's any signage or anything in the locker rooms that say Indy 2023, Indy or bust, whatever it may be. They will probably try to keep that focus at a game at a time, cliche as that may sound, but they know. They know within themselves what is just sitting out there like a big matzo ball. It's right there. So I thought those results were interesting. Do we actually, 62% of us, do we actually think Illinois is going to win the Big Ten? I think there's a really good argument to be made that they are. I just think that there's a really good argument for Iowa too. And if you really wanted to find your way to argue Wisconsin and maybe Luke Fickle has really figured things out. He did a great job at Cincinnati, but this is his first time since the one year at Ohio State where he's coaching for a Big Ten school. Minnesota, I don't know. I, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't know. So those were the poll results. I appreciate all that. This is from Jacob. Um, the pressure this year for football doesn't feel the same as the pressure on the basketball team during Kofi's last year to win a Big Ten title. 100%, Jacob. That year... And I've talked about this. That year was equal parts fun and heart mm, stress-inducing. How do we say? Winning that game against Iowa was one of the best sports moments I got to experience. And that will always be a special memory. That place was absolutely jacked that night. I mean, it was so cool to be able to experience in person, last day of the season, clinching a Big Ten title. Magic. It really was magic. And... As jubilant as I was at the end of it, there was also this tremendous sense of relief. And I want to get to a place with sports, and this is something I'm working through. I want to get to a place in sports where it's not so much relief when good things happen, but it's just joy and enjoying what's going on in front of you. As fun as that Iowa game was, I would actually argue that I had just as much, if not more fun, last October when we beat Minnesota. 
And by no means was that like an all-time Illini win, but the whole package, just being able to go in rather carefree to a game on a beautiful fall Saturday and just absorb everything as this game was unfolding and I was watching Illinois football just be good at every level. And knowing that they were going to be bowl eligible before the bye week, that's not a Big Ten championship. But why did I enjoy it just as much, if not more? Because there wasn't the pressure involved with it. And that's a big deal. That that does matter a lot. So, Jacob, I think that's a good point. Uh, real quick, yeah, Kirk knows. I can clarify that. Off topic, he says, but feel free to answer later on. Is Friday's show going to be live streamed? Yes. So for those that can't make it, we still got a YouTube feed that'll be right here. We'll get the link out for everybody. So, yes, that'll be Friday. Now, I did ask a question on Twitter today, and this is the tricky thing. With, with algorithms and everything like that, you never know 100% how much it's going to get out there. So we didn't get too many responses to this, unlike the the hundreds of people that replied to the polls, and we appreciate that. But the question that I asked was, let's see, what qualifies as a successful 2023 season for Illini football? That was the question, which I know is very general, and maybe that generality kind of turned some people off because they're like, well, I don't know, eight and four, are they thinking record or what? So I said this could include, what are the big wins? Are you, uh, where are you finishing in the Big Ten West? Offense, defense, special teams units, individual performances. Basically, all these factors you could bring into the equation of what is a successful season. Now, I'm going to read the few responses I got here. This is from Blake. He says seven wins, and that gives us the first back-to-back winning season since 2010 and 11 and breaks the streak of following up good seasons with a 5-7 and seven season. And Blake references 2002 and 2008. Anything more is gravy. Blake, I think Saturday goes a long way in assaging those fears. 2002 and 2008 each started the same way. You had a big year the year before, and you lose to Missouri in St. Louis, both of those years. 2002, Dustin Ward got the start over John Butcher. Terrible move by Ron Turner, but that's another podcast for another day. Because no offense to Dustin Ward, you guys can crap on John Butcher all you want. He should have been starting from day one. Maybe you sneak that game out, and he goes 6-6. Six and six. Regardless, you didn't. 2008, you go into the Dome. It was a good game, but it was typical Zook messiness, and your defense gave up 40-some points, and I'm pretty sure that that was oh Chase Daniel was starting because it was Brad Banks the, the year before. Each of those years started off with a, a week one loss, and I know that this game against Toledo may not have the same buildup as a game against Missouri. But you win against a team that's predicted to win the MAC. I'm walking out of that stadium feeling pretty good, kind of regardless of how you win. It's a nice position to be in. Now, would I prefer to play a cupcake and just get the easy win Saturday? Yeah, I think so. I think I would. But you wouldn't necessarily come out of that stadium having learned anything before a big road test against Kansas. I thought when I was talking to Harry last week, he brought up a good point. And I've, I've been hoping this is the case, so I'm glad that he kind of verbalized this, and I'm going to try to think this into existence as well, that these opening two games are actually really beneficial bits of scheduling, and certainly set you up to compete with Penn State. Now, I did not realize Penn State plays West Virginia in week one, and maybe someone in the chat thread can let me know. I I mean, West Virginia is not what they have been. They certainly are not ranked this year, and Penn State's favored heavily. It's still West Virginia, though, so you could play a worse team. All that is to say, right now on Saturday, you can start off this year so differently than 2002 and 2008. Does a win against Toledo ensure success? No. 
Not necessarily. But I do think a win against Toledo raises that floor, the, the win total floor, considerably. Let's go with the worst case scenario. You, you, don't, you don't beat Toledo for whatever reason. Now, that would suck, and I wouldn't think the season's over, but would I feel good about it? Hell no. Let's say you lose, and then all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel potentially of an 0-3 start. Well, then you really got to play some catch-up. And there are some favorable bits of scheduling, but then you got to play catch-up. But quite simply, if you win, you're 1-0, and you know, worst case, after the Florida Atlantic game, you should be 2-2. and Heading into another couple favorable games at Purdue, Nebraska at home. Yeah, there's no gimmies really until you get to Indiana Northwestern at the end of the year. But if you beat Toledo, you do feel like there are three more gimmies out there. Florida Atlantic, Indiana, Northwestern. You pocket four right there as a fan. Players can't do that, but we we can. What the hell? So there is the four, and then you're saying, okay, we only got to get like three more of the rest of them. And after Penn State, I think Vegas is going to say that you are either favored or within a touchdown in every single other game. So, yeah, I, I think that Blake, I have thought about 2002 and 2008. I think that they informed my long-held view of what Illini football is and many Illini fans' view of what Illini football is, which is don't ever count on them. My dad and I got to this point where he said, don't ever travel for Illinois sports. It's not worth it. We were really talking about Illinois football. I haven't traveled for Illinois basketball that much. And I still am not all that excited to go travel. We went to the bowl game, but yeah, bowl game, you know, you're going to have fun and it was warm and all that. And the, the result didn't matter a ton. Would have loved to win it. But now, you know, if we can slay some of these demons that we have as Illini fans, and God knows there are many, then maybe we can even kind of change that mindset too. So Blake... 2002 and 2008, you bring them up for good reason because they loom so large and they've kind of informed our psyche as Illini fans. I'll even add one more, Blake. I was thinking about this today. The last time I entered a season this optimistic, 2008 for sure, 2011, because of so many guys coming back from 2010, you felt with Nathan Shieldhouse and A.J. Jenkins that you had something offensively and Lon and I on 93.5 did a dare to dream. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it was a favorable schedule. We all knew it. And we thought if you can just beat Arizona State at home, you're really looking at a great start here. And didn't they start? Yeah, they started 6-0. and So that was the last time I've entered a season with true expectations. And then they lost their last six. Now, I don't think that's going to happen this year when you got Northwestern at the very end of it. Thank God. Northwestern at, or Indiana two weeks before that at home. Your two November home games, it's like you got those two, I don't want to say pocketed away, but you kind of do, for being honest. So if you can make hay early, starting with Toledo, you're in great shape. Blake says seven wins. Much as I want eight, seven and five would still feel pretty good. And I hope that 10, 15 years from now, I can look at a media guide or on the Wikipedia entry for Illinois football and be like, oh yeah, that's when they started winning seven, eight games consistently. Hey, seven or eight. That's what we normally say. I don't think many people in lot 31 say it's got to be eight wins or bust. I need Brett Bielema to win eight games a year. No, we usually say seven or eight with the occasional grade season mixed in there, right? So seven and five would be fine. This is from Josh. Rome wasn't built in a day. I think true success is continuing to be a player in recruiting, which comes from sustained success, which in turn comes from another 8-9-1 season. At some point, we have to expect more greatness. It can be done. 
So Josh mentioned specifically eight or nine wins. I mean, it's doable. If you ask me, the most likely losses on the schedule, of course, Penn State, based on the talent. Though, as Trevor said, James Franklin can't coach his way out of a phone booth or a paper bag. I forget which one he said. But I would agree that James Franklin is a great recruiter and a fairly average coach who happens to be the beneficiary of all the nut jobs out in Happy Valley and all the money they will spend on that program. And I'm sure NIL is only going to help them too, as it's helping Illinois, but probably a little bit more out there because what the hell else are you going to do in the backwoods of Pennsylvania? Whatever. I, I don't mean to disparage Happy Valley, but after the Paterno thing, I, it's whatever. So that is the toughest game on the schedule. We'd agree? Of course. And then at Iowa, I'd say isn't too far behind. Being on the road in November, it's just a lot of circumstances there lead me to think, I've seen that story before. You know that Iowa is certainly not going to suck this year. Even their bad year last year, they still found their way to eight wins, didn't they? And then what's your third toughest game? At Maryland? You could make a really good argument Illinois wins every other game. You could. Now, I guess you start getting in the muck there when you talk about Wisconsin at home because they have talent at Minnesota, at Kansas. Then you start getting the toss-ups. But one thing that I, I need to address with Josh here, and this, this is what I've been thinking. I asked people what they thought the marquee win would be. A marquee win kind of changes that equation. A marquee win against Penn State, let's say. Let's say you get eight wins, Josh. And you got that marquee win against Penn State as one of them. That mightily offsets any toss-up loss that you might have. That meaningful kind of win, I'd almost take an eight-win season with a win over Penn State than a nine-win season where you lost to Penn State at Iowa and, I don't know, at Maryland. That'd be three Big Ten losses. I don't know if that could see into Indy, though two of those would be against the East. But what I mean by that is you can afford that slip-up somewhere like if I say eight and four and you, you're losing at Iowa, at Maryland, and uh, at Minnesota, but you beat Penn State, okay, well, then you can lose to Kansas. Whatever. You know, I mean, these things start getting kind of built in. And knowing that most of us, I think, but I got one more comment here to read, most of us don't need a Big Ten title to feel happy at the end of this year. I, I kind of look towards, okay, how can we have a few moments this year on our way to a seven, eight win season? That, I think, is doable. I think that it is reasonable, given all the talent you have on this team. And um, that's why it's always fun before the season. You don't know how it's going to play out. You don't know what Saturday is going to be the most memorable one. Maybe there's a game where Illinois has a crazy comeback. We haven't had to have that, really, with Brett Bielema, because every game's so freaking close. <laughs> and I prefer that, I assure you. But I just think that, Josh, the 8-9 or nine win season, of course, that's going to really propel this program I think, into long-term sustained success. The recruiting has already picked up. They're identifying the kind of guys they need. They're building depth. They're never going to have top 30 recruiting classes, but they don't, they don't need to. And you might say that's foolish to say, but no, they don't need to. And you know why they don't? Because we, are not, we don't need to pretend to be national title contenders until we actually start doing something at, at another level. But for what Illinois is trying to accomplish right now and for the next three or four years, the kinds of guys they're bringing in, the coaching staff they have can do that. Now, you still got to play the games. And Josh, if they play the games and get eight or nine wins, hell yeah, it's a very successful season. Now, Banana Champagne, one of my favorite users on Twitter, the X, says they need to win the West. Whoa. 
That was probably the biggest disappointment from last year. It will be tough, but I believe in Brett. Uh, let me just get a quick bit of water here. Banana champagne, sorry. Here we go. Talk to kids all day in school, and it, it adds up. Okay. I love what Banana Champagne is thinking here. I I think that there is a legit shot that Illinois gets to Indy, and whatever happens at Indy is whatever. Just play the game, you know? As Trevor said, I and this is how we ended that podcast. Imagine getting back to Indy, and you got that shot against Michigan. And it will be Michigan. It's not going to be Ohio State. We'll see what happens to Ryan Day after this year. I have, it's not going to be Penn State. I don't think. It's going to be Michigan. they got a cakewalk schedule. Jim Harbaugh has truly built that thing into the juggernaut that they were. Really kind of Lloyd Carr, but maybe slightly better. Now, he doesn't have the national title that Lloyd Carr does, but it, they're going to win 12 games in the regular season. Probably. And we kind of go ho-hum about it, but that's incredible. So... Banana Champagne, getting to Indy is a massive success. And then it's house money. And as Trevor said, after the Michigan game last year and how that went, and the Brett Bielema, you know, he likes the narrative. He does. He seems to play into it. I would be intrigued. I would be. I would love to see that game. And and if we lost, okay, whatever. If you make it to Indy, you're still going to Florida for a bowl game. You're probably going to Orlando for whatever the Citrus Bowl, or I think it is called the Citrus Bowl again, Capital One Bowl, which, whichever. And that would be amazing. I'd love to go back down to Florida, though I don't think Orlando's quite as nice as Tampa. I, I'd go to I'd go to Tampa again. I don't know if anyone in the YouTube feed went to Tampa for that bowl game. I thought it was a great experience. But Banana Champagne, uh, I don't know if they need to win the West. And... Let's say they win eight, but they lose to Iowa late in the year, and that keeps them out of Indy. I guess the question becomes, does that start feeling like deja vu? I don't know if it quite does. Because last year, the opportunity was in front of you against two, I don't want to say lesser opponents, because Purdue made it to Indy, and they still won eight games. So I can't say that about Jeff Brom. But you underperformed against Purdue. And they came out ready more than you did. That was a very that was the most disappointing game. But the Michigan State game, uh, you, it wouldn't have mattered anyways because you lost Purdue. But those two games felt like you blew it. I don't know if I feel that way. If it's whoever wins Illinois Iowa, they go to Indy. I don't know if it necessarily feels like you blew it. If it's because you lost at Iowa City, I think what might happen is you'd look at an earlier game that you dropped. And thought, well, if you just would have won that, you wouldn't even need to win at Iowa. But let's be honest. If Illinois starts winning some games early this year and we start scoreboard watching, the team we're going to watch the most is Iowa, with Wisconsin not far behind because of their favorable schedule. So Banana Champagne, I don't think they need to win the West. I'd love for them to win the West. But I'll take eight wins, a Florida Bowl. I'll take Music City Bowl. All those things we'll talk more in depth with Isaac on Friday, which again, Live at Poor Brothers, but we will do the YouTube stream as well. Okay, so as we get ready for Toledo, oh, I got one here from Jacob. I'd say eight and four with New Year's Eve or New Year's Day bowl game. Hey, Music City. I know Nashville's chilly, but as far as bringing your bringing all the tailgate equipment down and tailgating outside of the Titan Stadium, I was already kind of looking into that last year and thinking it seemed like the logical fit, and then it wasn't really until that Sunday when all the bowls were getting announced that the buzz starts percolating that, oh, oh, it's not Nashville. We're going to someplace warm. And 
Of course, that was more exciting. But again, sustained success. Iowa makes the Music City Bowl last year. It's not their most memorable bowl game, but it said, oh, you guys won eight games again. Here, play Kentucky team whose starting quarterback isn't even playing. Now, would I have traded shoes with them and, and taken the bowl win over Kentucky, over the experience in Tampa? Much fun as I had in Tampa. Probably so. All that is to say, I would like the season to be successful enough where the bowl game is not necessary to feel better about the season. Winning against Mississippi State, 9-4 and four does feel better than 8-5. and five. But it didn't necessarily paint too much of a, a depressing glow on the rest of the season, despite the tough finish, because you already had eight wins. But if you were to win seven, and you're just kind of hovering above that 500 line, then you lose a bowl game and you're seven and six, I just think there's a lot of ways that can kind of influence how much that bowl game means. Now, of course, the, the fact is this. They need to make a bowl. We know that. If they go six and six, they need to make a bowl, and they need to win a bowl game. And here we are as Alana fans talking like that. I think that leads to my last point here about why I'm confident in this. And that is Brett Bielema. Now, as I go into this, I hope it doesn't bite me in the butt and look foolish after a tough early season loss. Or let's say he has an Arkansas-esque disappointing year, which it's college football. It's weird. Teams that are supposed to be good, sometimes every break goes against them and they end up sub-500, and they don't go to a bowl game. But the reason I'm as confident as I am is that in two years, I have been absolutely blown away at the efficiency with which this program is run under Brett Bielema. With the talent that he brings in on the staff, his willingness to make changes if things do not work, his willingness to address certain positions if they didn't work one year. Take, for example, oh, I'm going to go out and get a kicker and a punter Stud kicker and punter, so in the foreseeable future, we don't have those issues anymore. There are no stones that go unturned over there, That's so it feels to me. The vibe around the program is positive. It's one of control. They have control over it. I don't want to necessarily lump anything on Underwood, but one thing that I think really contrasts with the north and south side of Kirby Avenue is that the north side of Kirby Avenue, despite 100 student-athletes, compared to the 12 on the south side. It seems like Brett Bielema has his house in order more than the south side. There's never any outside noise. And if there is, they're hiding it well, I guess. I mean, listen, these are college athletes. Things are going to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if this year something pops up. But I'm waiting now, two plus years of the Bielema experience, to think, ooh, that, oh, that's his weakness. And so far, there's not any of those glaring weaknesses. And in college football... Often, as Brett Bielema has said himself, paraphrasing, if you're the team that makes fewer mistakes, you're likely going to win. Now, that might sound like a boring, play-not-to-lose kind of mantra, but that is the truth. If Illinois football has one thing in its history, it beats itself if it isn't already terrible to begin with. And Brett Bielema understands that to win in the Big Ten, and even when it's restructured, we'll see, and I guess things will change, but I'm, I'm not that worried about it. If you replace uh, Wisconsin with the Washington, is it that is it that different? I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I am just really impressed with what this coaching staff has done. And I'm excited to see how they come out Saturday. I'm fairly optimistic in Saturday and the rest of the season. 
because I'm confident that each Saturday they're going to come out with a game plan that makes sense, right? And they're going to put their players in a position to execute that game plan. And then you kind of leave everything else up for grabs. You understand that this is a game where a lot of weird things happen. And despite your best laid plans, it might just not be your night or it might just not be your day. But more often than not with Brett Bielma, with two exceptions, against Virginia the first year and against Wisconsin the first year, every game has been competitive already in two years. The talent has been massively upgraded. The depth has been massively upgraded. And the staff has guys that are being groomed to become head coaches themselves. If Aaron Henry has success as a defensive coordinator, give him a few years, he'll be a head coach somewhere. He's got that it factor about him. Barry Lonnie might not be far behind if he starts really picking things up. Here's the last thing that I think should excite people about this season. Natural progression, right? Of course we look at, and we should, the key departures from last year. Tommy DeVito had a great night on Saturday. We were at a bar in Indy, visited some of Kara's friends over there, and we watched that Giants and Jets game, and we're seeing Tommy sling it around, and it just is such a good feel-good story to see this kid from Jersey playing for the Giants and likely making the team, I think, right? And Chase Brown now with the Bengals and all these secondary guys. Sidney Brown's going to be a fan favorite in Philly. Quan Martin killing it with the Redskins. Uh, let's see who else. Oh, Kendall Smith ended up on a team as well. Why am I forgetting the other uh, cornerback? Is that it? I think so. Oh, well, uh, Devin Witherspoon, top five pick. Tony Adams killing it for the Jets, even though he wasn't on last year's Illinois team. Yeah, you, you lost a lot from last year's team, no doubt. But if we were to somehow make up for that with the natural progression of guys that got plenty of playing time last year and showed signs and take that next logical step this year, the wide receiver room is one great example of that. A wide receiver room that showed promise, but then an injury to Pat Bryant kind of hurt them. Isaiah Williams really started coming into his own, and I thought the Mississippi State game was incredibly encouraging for his all-around abilities as a wide receiver. Not just some Swiss Army knife that does bubble screens and that. No, no, no. We can send him deep, and I expect them to much more often this year. I think he can potentially do it all. And even Howard Griffith today had Isaiah Williams in a top five Big Ten receivers thing, which there's some good receivers in the Big Ten East more than the Big Ten West. But I I could see that. Imagine if that group takes a jump. Couldn't that offset the growing pains felt by a guy like Luke, Luke Altmaier? Cornerbacks, they cannot stop talking about Xavier Scott. And Taz Nicholson, we know, is solid. And Tyler Strain is I think going to be solid as well. But they cannot stop talking about Xavier Scott. Now, there's no way in hell that this secondary is going to be as good. But what if the front six or seven take that next logical step? Is it okay then for the secondary to take a couple steps back? I think so. I think it's probably reasonable to expect that. In other words, the deficiencies or the unknowns that you have on this team, you hope that the knowns and the logical steps that they take overcome that. And if they do... There's no reason this team shouldn't be able to find their way to 7-8 wins in this schedule. Find their way to a successful year. Play the same kind of brand of football that we saw last year, but with some, with some enhancements in some areas and maybe some deficiencies this year that weren't there last year. Ebbs and flows, ups and downs. If this team were, if there were an NCAA college football game and we had the player grades and all that, they'd look different from last year. But I think cumulatively, all those scores would add up to about the same, if not a little bit higher. I don't think that's overly optimistic. This leads to one last point. Talk about unknowns. Luke Altmaier. I don't know what to expect from him, but I'm excited to see him. 
I get the feeling that Barry Lunny, as we saw last year with Tommy DeVito, who in the Wyoming game, no one was leaving that game saying Tommy DeVito is the guy. Why? Because first off, we could run the ball at will that game. I think it was a really good game for Chase Brown right out, out of the gate, right? And I thought Tommy just looked like a really good ball control quarterback. He looked really in command. I'm sure the part of that was Barry Lunny came up with a game plan that was well, in the kind of Brett Bielema-esque offense of ball control, time of possession, which I'm pretty sure was great in that Wyoming game. Don't make mistakes. Make some easy throws. We'll get into it. And they did, and they scored 30-plus points. But it's not like Tommy was slinging around left and right. I don't think they're going to be asking Luke Altmaier to sling it around left and right. He will, of course, have to throw a few more attempts per game, I'd assume, because you don't have a Chase Brown back there. But I think with the improvements of the wide receivers and the knowns, on the offensive line, you were not asking too much. So growing into the role, making some mistakes, yeah, you can probably anticipate that that will happen. But that's football. Very few quarterbacks are as efficient as Tommy DeVito was last year. But even that uber efficiency had its drawbacks when you couldn't go deep, when the legs weren't able to be used after he got hurt. Meaning that the stats might look different, but Luke Altmaier can find other ways to be overall as effective as Tommy DeVito given the supporting cast and his own unique brand of skills. When we talk about the biggest question mark and the biggest question mark is quarterback, of course we are leery and we're scared. But the reason that experts, and I'm not going to call myself that, <laughs> the reason that the people that actually know what they're talking about still seem to be pretty high in this team tells me that the overall product is pretty darn high. And I think it is. There is a chance that everything has just come together at the right time. There is a chance that Brett Bielema is a better coach than he was ever before. Listen, over time, you learn things. You pick up tools, you pick up communication skills and things that make you a better person, not, not just professional, but a better person as you get older. And I'm 36, he's, old, he's older than I am, so he's got a good, what, 15 years of experience on me, but I sure as heck feel like a better and, and more intelligent person and professional than I did two years ago, four years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago. If you're worried about a repeat of Arkansas, if you're worried about Illinois football history somehow, it's toxic cloud finding its way into this team. If there's one guy that I think can withstand that, it is Brett Bielema at this stage in his career. That may sound like a bit of kiss-assery, and I try to avoid that. But I'm also trying to be honest with, okay, why do I feel as encouraged why do I feel different about this coaching staff and where this program is at than really at any other time in my fandom? I'm not going to sit here and say I got a sixth sense. But for people that have listened to me from 93.5 to now, or even, I don't know if any of you ever caught me on 107.1 back in the day, but when something smells off, I feel like I got a pretty good smell test ability. With Bruce Weber, it was pretty clear in 2008. Ugh. And I wasn't the only one to think that. But I, I just, that kind of changed the way that I viewed that. And, and the rest of those four years, they just, they were playing catch up and just trying to get back any semblance of glory that he had. But it felt like, wait, okay, something's fundamentally changed. This ain't right. Ron Turner, before 2002 even happened, 2000 should have been an indicator. Well, this might not have staying power. And the recruiting wasn't going great. Ugh. 
Ron Zook, come on. We all we all knew, didn't we? Of course, it frustrates me that that couldn't work because it, it, it maybe should have worked. But it didn't. And it didn't surprise us. It didn't shock us when they lost at home to Minnesota in 2008 or lost it against Western Michigan and Detroit in 2008. We'd all seen that before. So why is this different? Lovey Smith, don't get me started. Tim Beckman, duh. <laughs> Listen, Illinois football has made it e- pretty easy to either pass or fail the smell test because they've had a lot of guys that have failed the smell test as head coach in their history, and especially in my lifetime. Lou Tepper, too nice, kind of a dud of a personality. No offense to Lou, great guy by all accounts, but just not a college head coach. And people knew that when he went 5-5-1 five, five, and one with all that talent or 8-4 and four despite having an absolutely loaded team. So that is why I have this weird gut, intangible thing. And if I get burned, I may just be done as a line I <laughs> But it's not as if I'm saying Brett Bielma is going to go out and win a Big Ten title this year or that he's going to compete for national titles. It's not that. Um, it is that I think he can win seven or eight games this year with this team. I think this team can win seven or eight games this year. And I think that they can establish themselves long-term to be successful. And there's nothing as far as the small test is concerned that tells me otherwise. And it just seems to be a natural progression from what we've seen in years one and year two to a year three that might not have the highest of highs like last year where that month of October was bliss. It might be a little bit more when a couple here lose a tough one there, when a couple here lose a tough one there. And that's okay. It might not ever build that crazy momentum that we felt when we were 7-1 and one and we appeared in the college football playoff selection show, seated in the top 20 in the CFP standings. That may not happen. I actually don't really expect it to. But it doesn't need to. And with this coaching staff, the level of success that we're looking for to feel good is right there. They can do it. It's attainable. And I think they will. So here's what we're going to do. On Friday, Isaac Ambrose and I will be at Poor Brothers Craft Tap Room. Anything I withheld from this podcast as far as an actual prediction for the season, uh, looking at the Big Ten West a little bit more in depth by focusing on the schedules, who's got the breaks, who doesn't, position groups. We're going to kind of break those down as far as a confidence level thing. More macro stuff along with some Toledo talk on Friday. That's why anything I didn't broach today, it's like, okay, well, leave some of the material there for Friday. And if you are not able to make it to Poor Brothers, 6 to 7 o'clock on Friday in downtown Champaign, we will have a live stream on YouTube as well. So you always got that option. But I hope you can make it. If you're making a weekend of it in Champaign, and and it's going to be a beautiful night in downtown Champaign. If you haven't been downtown Champaign recently, it's getting that buzz back. really is. So we're happy to be a part of it, and we love the guys at Poor Brothers. They host our band quite a bit, and Jason and the guys are just very accommodating. So hope to see you there, but if not, we'll be on YouTube. And if you can't make it to either one, YouTube or in person, hopefully it is your pregame podcast that you can listen to on your way to the lots or in the lots on Saturday. You can find me in the lots, 200-level flag. We got a brand spanking new 200-level flag. We'll be in lot 31, 50-yard line, a little bit closer to, is it Oak? Oak Street, I believe. And stop by, say hello. I'll have some stickers and things out there as well for you. It's game week. Hope springs eternal, and I think there's some justifiable hope behind this season. And I'm sure you're excited, as excited as me, maybe not. But uh, I don't know. Hell, if you're listening to podcasts like this, where I just get to kind of ramble on for an hour about Illinois football 
and how freaking excited I am. I'm guessing you're pretty excited too. All right, before I get out of here, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Celebratory calzone, let's hope. dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. Get your furnace check scheduled for the fall. It's going to be cool weather before you know it. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. And finally, Luke Owen and the guys over at Owen Builders, LLC. Uh, we might see them out because uh, I know they're good friends with Isaac, so we might see them on Friday night at Poor Brothers. Excellent work. You can see it for yourself at OwenBuildersLLC.com. Home additions, patios, decks, some interior stuff like kitchens and bathrooms. OwenBuildersLLC.com. And Champagne Center Partnership hosting Campus Town Street Fest, Saturday, September 9th from 1 to 7 o'clock. Going to be probably beautiful mid-September weather downtown. So if you haven't been to campus in a while, there's going to be live music. There's going to be street vendors. The Chow Down in Campus Town with delicious food. And there are many great restaurants that are going to be represented. This brought to you by the City Champagne, JSM Living, and the Champagne Center Partnership. More information at ChampagneCenter.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them. Appreciate you if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Rating and review real quick helps us out so that anytime someone searches for Alani Podcast, we pop right up. In the meantime, everybody, we will be back Friday. Poor Brothers, live stream and in person. I'll get the link out there for those that can't make it. And if you can't make it then, be sure to say hi on Saturday in Lot 31. I will be sporting. I got a jersey for, I had to do it. The orange number 77, 2023 Illini football jersey from Nike. I had to do it. That's how excited I am. I dropped 100 bucks on a freaking jersey. But hey, you know what? I'm going to wear it 12 times. So it's what? Less than 10 bucks a game. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. And if you can, try to get some sleep before Saturday. It, it's not going to be easy. It is the 200 level. 